Hello everyone, you're listening to The Legends of Leia, a tabletop actual play campaign set in the fractured world of Leia, brought to you by Infinity Break, where we're telling stories our own way. Legends of Leia comes out every single Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts, as I'm sure you know by now, if you've stuck with us this long. Uh, but, we're not recording a normal episode of Legends of Leia today. Instead, we are all sitting around, uh, gathering around this campfire, uh, to talk about our experiences during Season 2. Uh, before we get started, let's go ahead and reintroduce our characters. Uh, folks, my name is Ben Hamlin. I play Hugo Charlemagne Augustus Robert Danton Dufontaine. Or just Hugo for short. He's a rogue of indiscernible archetype and terrible personality. Hey everyone, I am Andrew. I play Shalva Tassarin, a drow bard of the College of Eloquence. Maddie's actually not here today. Uh, we'll be, uh, clipping in their answers to questions later, though. Uh, and I'm Johnny Ronaldo. I play Finley Murphy, who is a halfling chef who also is good with a sword sometimes. Only sometimes good with a sword? What's that? Only sometimes you're good with a sword? Yeah. Oh, okay. And last but incredibly not least, your Dungeon Master for Legends of Leia, Nick Boylan. Nick, hello. Hello. How's uh, everyone today? Uh, good. I'm doing okay. How are you? Oh, uh, hanging in there. Hanging in there. Uh, Nick, normally I'd say take it away, but I'm actually gonna uh, pass the mic uh, right back. To, actually, could you hand it? Could you hand it back to me? Here, here, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Let me just. Hey, hey, uh, Johnny, can you pass this to Ben, please? Uh, yeah, I'll start walking down there. Give me like two hours. Okay, okay thank you. Oh, <laughs> now that's funny because we started in an improvised space in which we were in the same room. <laughs> Around a quickly, campfire. Quickly, it was revealed. John, Johnny broke kayfabe. <laughs> I no, no. Y'all are in the same hypothetical pretend room, and then I. I'm pretending that I am exactly two hours equidistant from each of you. Mm. And that's the magic of improv, which we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> as we talk about our characters and our choices uh, over, over the course of season two of Legends of Leia. Obviously, we don't really um, keep track of it on a seasonal basis. Uh, but we did one of these last year. And we and a whole year has passed since that last episode. And uh, it's our so, two-year anniversary. It is. It's our two-year anniversary, so, you know, we figured we'd, uh, we'd talk about this again. Uh, so, Johnny, I, I think our first question is for you, uh, but before that, I do want to kind of summarize uh, for people who may not uh, remember what actually happened over the course of last season. Uh, so, first things first, uh, I, I think last season we were still, or rather, last this time last year, we were still in the underwater temple. Um, mm -hmm. I, well, I guess it's not explicitly underwater, but it's underneath that island and therefore presumably underwater. It was partially underwater. It was partially underwater. underwater. The water dungeon. The water dungeon. G good old, good old Zelda water dungeon. And honestly, it, in the vein of that, the hardest one we'd gone through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, that being said, uh, yeah, so that, then, uh, leaving Dino Island, leaving, uh, uh, via ship, fighting that Kraken... Uh, saying goodbye to the the cast and crew of the not pirate ship. <laughs> uh, saying goodbye to Luck, meeting Finley Murphy, uh, doing all of that nonsense uh, in the library, killing the vampire den. Uh, uh, oh, Hugo lost his hand at some point. There were a couple of shopping episodes. Uh, Shalva got laid twice. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, oh yeah, and then uh, then then we basically kind of figured out the um, the secret hidden backstory of Legends of Leia and what happened uh, a couple generations before us. Uh, met Finley's family, and now here we are. Oh, and the Shadow Demons of the Ark Camp. 
<laughs> oh yeah, just that little thing. <laughs> that little yeah, no big deal. No big deal. Well, I consider that like part of the present moment because that's mm-hmm. kind of the arc we're still in right now. Uh, but but Johnny, first question for you. We said goodbye to Luck this year, didn't we? We sure did. Uh, and I was wondering. Uh, I, I know you. That have... wasn't a question. <laughs> it was a question. We said goodbye to Luck, didn't we? Oh, all right. <laughs> Seth, the one answer more time, to that Johnny question. sees what happens. <laughs> the answer to that question is yes. Uh, uh, so I know you have some rationale behind that. W- would you mind elaborating on uh, on what happened with Luck and why Finley's a part of this story now? Yeah, so I mean, um, Luck, uh, fun fact, was not incredibly fun to play as because she was very moody and a teenager. Um, and that was exacerbated by the Panini. Uh, and I decided that I had too much... Uh, being moody all the time, mm. and I didn't want to play a D&D character that was also moody. Uh, and so instead, we have Finley, who is just distilled wholesomeness. Yeah, I feel like that happens a lot, where like you play a character, and you're really enjoying them, and then like things change in real life, and you're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's part of it, and then, like I don't know, I... like. You know, playing the character to concept, I was like, uh, you know, when you have someone at the table who's being real shitty and they're like, well, it's in character. And it's like, yeah, but you fucking made the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very like I was running into that with myself where I was like, well, I don't want to do this, but I made the character. So, like, I'm just going to be a different character. Johnny, I feel the need to to rewind a little bit. By the panini, did you mean the pandemic? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant, yeah, but I wasn't going to ask. <laughs> I was legitimately racking my brain like, what panini incident? <laughs> what what sandwich kerfuffle did we have to go through? No, I just like using any word that starts with a P. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, yeah, now that we're this far into the pantomime, uh, you know, that <laughs> has, uh, has solidified itself. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, t- totally get it. You know, some some characters work as a... Work as a concept, but after playing them out for a year, they they don't, or or they become less appealing to the creator. Uh, so I guess uh, what's what's the what's the reasoning behind Finley? Why a chef? Why Irish? Um, um, why the well, mix in? So, uh, why the mix in class? So the um, basic concept uh, was that I wanted them to be very fun, very wholesome, welcoming, comforting, like a warm blanket. <laughs> um but also like unequivocally like unfuckwithable. Um and so I kind of like her voice is modeled off of my boss in Ireland um who is all of those characteristics. Um and then the chef thing was very like I don't know like I'm a food is love person like one of my friends goes like I had a bad day and I'm like here's a s'more. <laughs> um what else can I get you? Like let me feed you. That's what love is. Uh, so, so food that's is your where love chef, yeah, yeah. So like, food is love, and that's Finley. That's a that's a nice concept for a character, especially um, especially for this campaign. Where, where yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't want to be, sound like an asshole. We're, we're, none of the characters are like actively friendly toward each other. Sometimes there is a lot of hostility within this group or 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 i don't know if that's the best way to phrase that but like meanwhile finley who's like brand new is just kind of radiating friendship out to everyone 
that's kind of a i mean a central part of my character at least is that like she cares about everyone and would never ever admit it except for i guess shivala more recently but she would never admit it and she would be very rude about it but she does uh do you want to talk about the uh the changes that uh shalva has undergone this year yeah i mean i guess that's that's a big part of it it is Shalva, especially in the beginning, was very out for herself. She was like, for instance, when we were in the abyss and it was we we saw like the tiefling child being attacked by uh, two displacer beasts. She was very much like, no, let's not get involved. She knew what she was getting into. If she dies, she dies. Um, I think she has changed quite a bit uh, in that she now like finds herself caring about other people and it's weird uh mostly just the party she doesn't really give a shit about like strangers but like she cares about the people in the party um she cares about the few people like uh around us helping us at the moment um and i think that's been a big like character development thing i am going back to like luck leaving i am a little sad that we never got to resolve the the anger between the two of them before it happened but we did get to have a little moment where the luck doesn't know uh shalva displayed that like she did care about her despite that uh in the form of the scroll of scrying that she used to check in yeah yeah i think that uh luck leaving while abrupt was like at probably the best possible point in her arc that it could have been why is that um, well, cause so, so we had the, you know, the changeling reveal, which was really cool. And then we ran into, um, Burzum, uh, which is just absolutely my favorite reference that I've ever made in a tabletop <laughs> game. Uh, cause like, fuck that crazy asshole. Um, and then like, you know, doing the, the, the pirate thing where she was just Cutlass McGee for a while and... That sort of, like, resuming of a false identity in front of you, even though you knew mm-hmm. what she was doing. Like, you're like, I know who you are. Like, it's cool. Um, and, like, Finley's whole, not Finley, uh, Luck's whole concept was, like, that sort of, like, trans narrative. Like, that's, she started out pretending to be a boy, Mural. Um, and that, that was, like, a big section of it. And then she comes back as Cutlass McGee, pretending to be a boy again. Yeah. Um, and this sort of like, you know, the mask came off and everything was connected again. And then the mask went back on. Um, and then that was like a good time for her to leave after, you know, she had some like good lines about alluding to like, well, what if I disappoint you? And what if I, you know, run away again? Right. And Um, then she ran away again. (laughs) And then she did. (laughs) And that, yeah, that came to a, a really interesting uh, character moment. Yeah. And I'm uh, glad, I'm glad, uh, sorry. Lost track of that transition completely. Um, I, I'd, throw to, I'd throw the question to Petros, but Petros is not present. Um, Hugo's changes uh, this year is that it finally occurred to him that maybe what he did for a living was bad. <laughs> yeah, we called that out, like, in episode, right? When you were like... In episode last episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, between the 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 jokes of like splitting the loot, and if you were a grave, I'd rob you, <laughs> um, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. You know, Hugo has kind of been unabashedly like, yeah, well, this is my job. Um, and uh, I think it was yeah, it was in the last episode, or I guess maybe two episodes ago, when we were having the conversation about like, yeah, well, maybe these artifacts should have never left their final resting place uh, because now we would then we wouldn't have been having to deal with all of this. Um, paranoia over like who's out there and mm-hmm. you know what they could be planning and all that and the world wouldn't be in in the danger that it is and i think uh hugo verbalized specifically like ah well maybe we should have never stole oh shit yeah like well i think you said that and then i was then then shalva was like wow i didn't expect you to say that hugo yeah um well because i mean like i talked about this in in the in the last behind the scenes special that we did was that the point of hugo was to point out the uh maybe just one of the core conceits of Dungeons and Dragons being like stealing gold from tombs Mm -hmm. uh, is maybe a, maybe a bad concept or or if not bad, at least a problematic one. Um, And that, you know, Hugo was going to go like full force into that. uh, And yeah, so it's nice to see the cracks forming as he realizes that his adventures uh, not in vain, but might've been uh, unnecessary at the very least. Um, outwardly evil <laughs> at the most. <laughs> um, so anyway, that that's fun to tackle and to start going down that path, especially as we deal with uh, uh Hugo Senior, uh, older Hugo. Uh, uh not his dad, right? No, <laughs> just a not mentor. Not okay, so not literally Hugo Senior. No, 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 no. Uh, but but the Hugo that is older and evil, mm-hmm. more evil than Hugo. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, Nick, I guess I could throw the question to you about any NPCs. Obviously you kind of play, I mean, obviously you play everyone, but you kind of play two party members. You kind of have your own player characters, even though you're the DM. Um, how, how, how have, uh, how have Coria and, uh, Shavala changed this year? Um, well, um... I would say that Coria hasn't really. Uh, her biggest change was just that she was still around. <laughs> um, Shavala was originally supposed to be the villain. And really? <laughs> I changed my mind about that early last year because... I realized that I liked them too much and I know that what was going to end up happening was that I was they were either going to have to leave or die. And um I liked them too much. I think you <laughs> like, you famously tried to kill them. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning I did. Um but I, it's it's like different when you the dungeon master do it versus when you have to you know that they're gonna have to face off against the party. Mm-hmm. Um, that and then I just like the way that they're that I thought about their character kind of changed uh, as time went on because I realized that I, I liked them better as like an unknowing, like unwitting victim rather than the big bad spying on everyone the whole time. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, in in the end, they they stopped being the, the villain. That was their biggest change. 
Do you want to talk specifically about the uh, the the realiving uh, incident that happened? I did have that plan for a long time after I decided the beginning of last year when I decided I didn't want them to be the villain anymore. Um, I realized that I had I was going to want to somehow establish how serious the actual villain was, and I had already set up at that point the abilities that the villain gives to others. Um, and I was like, well, what's the best way that I can express how dangerous that is? It's like, okay, we'll take it away in front of them. Um, so the idea to reverse Shavala's undeath um, was kind of based in that idea of giving the party an idea of like what could happen to the other people who had been influenced by Malsumis as well um, because obviously Cheval is not the only character in the world that has been influenced by or given powers by this entity so I was like I'll do it to someone close to you so that you realize how serious it is that's good because if things had advanced the way that they had, like, I don't know when you made that decision, but if things had advanced the way that they had and Shavala turned out to be the villain, I don't know whose side Shalva would have picked. <laughs> Easy. It would have been Shavala's. So I know it. Maybe. Depends on how it happened. Um, God, this, this, this revelation of premeditated betrayal is very fun. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna lie, uh like Finley would just fight you. Uh but yeah. Luck probably would have if you had picked uh Shivala, Luck Luck <laughs> might have just been like, Oh, like I'm you know, I'm not morally tied to anything that strictly and I like you two. Yeah, I guess I can't act super offended since Hugo doesn't have a moral compass, he just likes money and treasure and fame. <laughs> That's actually kind of why, also part of why I decided not to do it, because I was like, they're more attached to Shavala as a character and a friend more than they are as, like, a figure, so they won't choose to do the right thing, they'll <laughs> choose Shavala over the right thing. The only person who might have, like, a qualm about Petros. it is maybe Petros. Yeah, I mean, it, it would just be all of us fighting Petros. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, get, I, I made them too popular, I can't do this now. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been a cool... Uh, moment, but maybe not best for the not group. as a DM. <laughs> no. I would have like, oh god, now I have to end the or end Petrus, and then suddenly it's a villain party. God, I guess Petrus. No, poor Petrus. Don't give me ideas. Yeah, no, I was just thinking. Sorry, my brain fast forwarded to every possible outcome of that situation. Oh, you uh, just and- used the time stone. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's only one in which Petrus survives. <laughs> Um, well, damn, uh, how, so how about Coria then? Um, like her change as a character, or? Yeah, well, uh, uh the mom reveal, I believe, happened this oh, season. Yeah. That that's true, it did. Oh, yeah, so, I always knew that was going to be the case. I always had it planned that Petros had a half-sibling out there somewhere. And, um, I knew it was her, and then I was going to leave it up to 
y'all, essentially, if that was ever going to be a plot point. Um, and it just so happened y'all picked her up and <laughs> brought her with you. So, um, us adopting people? What? I know, right? That's and then she ended up staying with the party. Um, and then when eventually, my which is why my favorite thing was that Maddie was so nervous about Coria. Maddie was like, "Yeah, I don't know. I don't trust her. Uh, she's kind of scary. I don't. I don't know. She's like." I don't, I don't know. I don't trust her. And then eventually, as time went on, Maddie kept messaging me going, she's my sister. I love her now. <laughs> and I was like, you don't even know. No, no. Literally, she actually is. <laughs> literally don't know. So that reveal, watching Maddie's face during that reveal was absolutely the best part of so, for me. So I want to be clear. Was the was the plot point, was Coria always the intended sister? Or was it because we adopted Coria that she became the sister? She was always the intended sister. Ah, well, um, lucky lucky us. We caught the right Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just was like, it'll if it's important, it's uh, it'll show up and it'll be a cool plot point. And then if not, well, it's not super plot important. I just wanted that character to be out there. It's, I kind of like make NPCs and if you find them, you know, if they're not like super plot important at any one time, they could be plot important. I kind of leave that open for people to find. Um... And she was just one of those characters who ended up becoming attached to the party. So, um, hell yeah! Uh, I also, I guess, I forgot to say, I lost a hand this season, um, <laughs> which I presume that that brief brush with mortality and crippling wrist pain uh, presumably has has given Hugo a sense of perspective uh, and made him, I don't know, more want to reach out to other people. Uh, hand which, reach. Well, eh, he has two hands. Uh, one of which is fake. Whatever. His right hand works fine. Uh, which, which hopefully is, it, it's, look, Johnny, I don't want to play our cards too quick. It sounds like Finley and Hugo are getting along just fine. Yeah, I mean, that was a big part of the Finley concept is that she just gets along with everyone. Okay, so it's not special for you? <laughs> no. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Sorry, bud. No, it's it's fine. Uh, actually, I mean, uh, speaking of getting along with everyone, uh, Finley, I was wondering if you could, or Johnny, I was wondering if you could elaborate on uh, Finley's family. Uh, I'm sure they'll probably come back into play at some point, but uh, for now we've parted ways. Is there anything, anything the, you want to say about like the creation of that group? I know that I know that you were impressed in the moment with how Nick handled that. I was wondering if there was any backstory there uh, for how, um, how that so... group of. Uh, how that group uh, came about. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was very impromptu. Um, so that's one of Finley's families, uh, which again plays into the, she gets along with everybody. Um, but there's specifically her uh, former fiance's family uh, who died. Um, so it's sort of like this... Uh, she just sort of, like, nested up next to the thing that reminded her of him the most, and just, this is her, like, moving on with her life by joining the party. Hmm. Um, so that was, like, a really cool moment of, like, trying not to worry them, and, like, a little bit lying to them. 
uh, because she's going back to the Rift to fucking close that shit because it took the love of her life away from her. Um, and, like, while the, you know, while his family might appreciate the revenge aspect, uh, she's basically become their surrogate child, and they're like, no, you can't go there. Last time our child went there, they died. And so you've lied to them? Yep. So we've lied to them now. Um, but yeah, so that was really, like, fun and cool, getting to, like, design this thruple, you know, non-standard family structure, uh, with their surrogate adopted halfling. Um, and two of the three of them are actually taken from a, like, encounter that I use in in my campaigns sometimes, which is a town is like, hey, there's these horrible orcs near the town setting up a war camp and then the party gets there and it's a cute little cottage and just this like gay couple of orcs that are like yeah people just scared because we're orcs Mm. you do like your gay orcs don't you (laughs) i love a gay orc (laughs) who doesn't uh speaking of petros i was wondering if (laughs) no i don't have a question i'm sorry um we've dug a lot into the backstory of laia um i've kind of got questions for all of you about that uh, and I was wondering, for those of you who uh, more strongly participated in the library scene, uh, Hugo didn't, really, um, uh, except for signing copies of his uh, adventuring books and autobiographies, <laughs> uh, which would th- then make them worth more at the library. Um uh, uh I-, I was wondering wh- why you so- why you selected those those pieces of lore, why you wanted to. Uh, tap into those individual parts of Leia and and Nick. The, I'll extend the question as to like what what why does that backstory matter? Is there anything else you wanted to share with us uh, that that we didn't tap into? Maybe stuff that you're saving for a later date. So feel free to answer that cautiously. Who wants to go first? I guess did yeah. Finley did Finley participate? Uh, she got a cookbook. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All right. She, so I she guess Andrew has questions. Stupid recipes. This is definitely a Maddie question, a Maddie and Andrew question, because uh, both of them have some serious character moments yeah. in that episode. Well, I will speak for uh, Petros since Maddie's not here, so I'm just going to do Petros's part. No. Um, for <laughs> Shalva, uh, the library was a chance to look into something that is kind of a core well not kind of it's literally a core part of her backstory and for her story and of her anger and it's very much like a revenge thing for her um whether or not that that's like whenever i write a backstory i try to put stuff in there that's like maybe this will come up maybe the dm can use this eventually or maybe not and if not that's fine too and honestly that was something that i didn't ever expect to really come up uh, I expected to just kind of have a hatred of the priests of Bahamut, and that would just be a thing. Uh, but then we saw this opportunity, so it was like, all right, I'm going to research this, because this is a chance to do that. Uh, but, you know, finding the person that was responsible for uh, everything that happened in her life, basically, that she blames... And then having the opportunity to go and confront that person, whatever that ends up looking like. Uh, yeah, that was that was the only thing I looked up there. And 
you'll recall that she tore out the page instead of like writing anything down specifically. Uh, and I think that that is because of her own um, paranoia or obsession, maybe, of like, no, I want to take the actual page that has the official writing and everything on it. I'm not just going to write this down. Right. Wanting a record of it. Yeah. Um, what do you think that confrontation might look like if you ever get the chance? I think... I I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as I picture it in my head uh, if it happens because I think that Nick is going to choose a more interesting path than just like getting there and me killing him or something. Um, my name is Shalva Tassarin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I think there I will like be that some. I know your name these days. The I'm sure there will be some moral dilemma going on, where it's like, oh, this guy is actually a good person, or like doing something good, or I don't know, something like that. Um, so I picture it as either it probably goes to one of two ways. Shalva gets there, uh, tries to split off from the party. The party stops her, or something like that, because you probably shouldn't just go kill this guy. Um. Or she goes off on her own and tries to do something and uh, either takes her revenge or decides to grow as a person and not forgive, but more like forget. Yeah, totally. Um, time heals all wounds, I guess. Um, Nick, what about you? Is there any... Again, you can save this backstory for later. Is there anything you wanted to share with us? Is there uh, was there any thought process into writing some of that uh, some of that unlocked plot in that moment? Um, it was mostly just to kind of tie story elements together. Um, I, which is why I asked you all what you would be looking up prior to the episode, so that I could write information down in a way that could be then easily conveyed in the moment. Um, as if you were reading from a book. Um, because, and that was like the, that was the point of the story that I wanted to kind of be that coming together point for a bunch of threads that I had already planted. Um, so things like the cult and the entity and the relationship to, and the existence of a party of adventurers that had already come before you, characters that I had introduced already at the beginning of the campaign two years ago. Um, and, like, the just to kind of emphasize the feel of an overarching story and also, like, bring back elements of the plot that had been long ago. Um, and, like, reaffirm what you guys were trying to do in the beginning, which was find the artifacts, bring the world back together. And then also to remind you guys that someone did give you a letter in the beginning of this, in the beginning of the campaign to bring that artifact to El Norte. So I was like, I have to bring all those threads together. And the best way to do that is lore dump <laughs> when everyone's in the same place so that right, you can then right. discuss it. Uh, lore dump indeed. And I do want to go uh, back to that letter and to El Norte in just a second. Uh, because it ties into this next question is, uh, so we each had, well, actually, you know what? Yeah, I can tie, I can kind of tie all of these together. 
so we're at a point where um, the backstory of this world and the backstory of our individual characters are becoming more and more apparent. Um, we kind of found out about this this previous generation. What are we calling the group that includes uh, every major NPC uh, <laughs> that fought before us? Boomers. Johnny. <laughs> Some of us... Um. I don't think we uh, we don't have a name for our group, so I don't think there's a name. No, for we their don't. Group. But the group that includes uh, Elias. Yeah, y'all, it's Helm. two years later, and you haven't named yourselves. Hugo <laughs> and friends done. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, so the group that contains that contained Shavala, Elias, Lysaea, Helm, and the Oracle. Exactly. Um. So we, you know, we found out about this this previous generation of heroes. The boomers, as fucking Johnny called them. <laughs> I think they're more of the greatest generation because they actually did something. There um, you. Uh, <laughs> uh, in addition, you know, we're finding about uh, out about individual character backstories. We all had like that premonition or dream. Hugo had that dream in which he saw his mentor um, who, who was named in the last two episodes. Um you know, we're 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 getting a, a glimpse into this broader world behind us, which I know on a continent level story can be can can be kind of difficult when there's like cities in each corner of the world to tie everything together into one cohesive narrative. But it seems like that it's the uh, that's the line we're going on for now, and I'm really excited to to hear what people kind of think uh, about this past generation uh, of of heroes and this past. Um, you know each of our individual backstories but i'm curious nick as to how early some of this got seeded was that was the team that you're describing the the names you just listed off uh always the plan i guess is the question um and and uh you know we don't have we don't have the hindsight of having been able to re-listen to every single episode under this new lens but i'm still curious to hear um when and where you were seeding that information um, as soon as you met the Oracle, essentially, uh, you, and I thought that you guys had kind of already, I had been under the impression that you guys had caught on to this because, um, very early on, there was a joke made that Shavala knows everybody. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't until recently that I realized that was just a joke and you guys, it wasn't until I actually revealed that they were all connected and you guys reacted with surprise. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was a joke. It, it wasn't. They it's didn't not actually that deep. see that coming. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, the thing being that sh- every time um, Shavala ran into someone they knew, there was a. Even though the memories were wiped, you know when you like have that nostalgic feeling when you see someone after a really long time, you don't know their name, and but you like know that you know them from somewhere. So people like Helm and the Oracle reacted that way towards Shavala. And y'all made that joke. You were like, oh yeah, Shavala and the Oracle are totally fucking. <laughs> we made that joke a Which lot. Has... Yeah, you did. You're like, does Shavala fuck? Yeah, Shavala fucks. Um, but yeah, it was as soon as uh, I introduced the Oracle was when I decided um, that there was going to be a prior... Uh, series of adventurers that were had pretty much attempted to do the same thing that you did, uh, but had failed for some reason. So, for some reason, 
for mm. some reason. For some reason. Uh, well, yeah, excited to excited to pick up the pieces of that. Um, especially since it would appear that that my that Hugo has a more direct connection to the storyline than initially thought. Um, uh, I'm really excited to to fuck around with the NPC that we only recently introduced and has not actually shown up uh, in the game. Uh, oh my God, I th- can't pretend to be adept at this horrible bastardization of an accent. Oh, I'm not. It is so easy to slip in and out of. Go on, Nick, no. give it your best shoot. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, you're from Bassar, no? I am sorry. Sorry, yeah, I see. We oui. see. Si. <laughs> I got onto it too. That's to okay. be fair, it does slip into into Spaniard sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Hugo is straight up from Spain sometimes, <laughs> even though he was meant to be French. And in my defense, maybe those two countries shouldn't have bordered each other. <laughs> Therefore, making an evolving spectrum of accent. Um <laughs> This also presumes the accent I am doing is French and not just European. <laughs> Question mark. Question mark. Uh, it feels like a. It feels like um, you know, in comic bo- on comic book wikis, sometimes they'll do like first appearance mentioned this issue, first appear- first actual appearance this issue, yeah, or whatever. It feels like we we have set up Zorbond in a way that um, I mean, I'm sure it'll probably be sessions from now uh, that we finally Monsieur see Malik. him. Uh, Zorban Malik, Professor Zorban Malik, Professor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Does Hugo have a master's or a doctorate in archaeology? Can I, I make him up to you? Can I make him Dr. Hugo? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Hugo Charlemagne Augustus Robert Anton de Fontaine. Joke's on Hugo, he just has a certificate. <laughs> Dr. Fontaine. Um <laughs> What a terrible character. Was Hugo um, the dog's name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is a uh, many layer joke that only ben knows about <laughs> nick shut up uh <laughs> fuck you andrew uh, <laughs> um yeah so uh yeah really excited to start tapping into all of that it, it sounds oh uh johnny i'm sorry uh the same question to you um which is is um you know, are you excited for this this kind of generational backstory that's happening here, as well as uh, you know digging more into your own personal backstory? Um, uh, you had a you had a did you have a vision or a memory or a premonition? I can't remember. Uh, mine was just a memory. Hmm. Um, it was like a memory, but someone was watching me. That's what mine was um, too. So. Always feel like. As for uh, uh, the over big overarching thing, a uh, thing that I'm actually really stoked about is that, like, yeah, they actually all know each other. And everyone was like, what? And Finley was just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> like, did you think they didn't? Right, right. Um, like, she's just, that's just always been her reality, pretty much. It's like, oh, obviously all of these, you know, strangers know each other. That's why they're in the same room. Mm-hmm. Um... So I like that, uh, and then as far as Finley's personal backstory goes, I really tried to get that, like, out of the way, sort of, uh, like, very quickly with that, like, sit down with Petros. 
Um, cause like Lux was this big drag on thing where like every session I had to be like very careful about what I was saying. Um, so Finley was, you know, in rejection of that very hard on the sleeve. Like, I'm just going to talk about my feelings. Uh, this is what happened to me. This is my trauma. This is why I'm like this. Uh, cool. Let's go. Hell yeah. I, I can't do that. I have to drag it out. Uh, there are mm. things about Shalva that haven't been revealed yet. Her backstory. I feel like everything about i feel like like if finley has a reveal left it's meeting her actual family mm. um and i don't feel like that's going to be as dramatic cuz they'll just be like all right you left and you never came back but you're also a hero and here's the statue we made of you i suppose some of shalva's might be revealed in this next episode but we'll see how it goes I look forward to but it. But I'm very much someone that will sit on a piece of my backstory forever until it comes up, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> You're going to have to DM me which part of the backstory you think, because I, I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of stuff we're looking forward to, uh, anything you're excited for for this third year of Laia? Um, I know for a fact that I'm excited. I actually haven't had a chance to use it yet because I kind of only just got it and we've only fought like two things since then. I'm excited to use my new mechanical hand. <laughs> I'm excited to have a proper ranged weapon because it has a little crossbow gun in the top. Um, and uh, a yeah, hand crossbow, to, if you will. A hand crossbow, yeah. And uh, excited to obviously, you know, crack more into the actual character and deal with the, the mentor and the ethics of Hugo. Um, but mostly I'm excited to shoot things from a distance. Hell yeah. Also the food stuff with Finley. Um Yeah, I I'm really excited about taking the chef feet. That's I want I want to level up two more times so that I can take the chef feet and then when Finley cooks it will actually do things. Hell yeah. I'm just excited for more powerful spells. <laughs> we just got fifth level. I want sixth now. It's time. I want to disintegrate someone. Oh my god. Uh, folks, for context, every time we level up, uh, the entire like yeah, chat becomes Andrew like yep. doing statistical breakdowns of it's what very spells true. are most effective. <laughs> uh, I have had to sit at those lunch tables back when we used to be able to get lunch together, and everyone's talking about minute character leveling up things, and I'm just like, how's the weather? <laughs> Anyone want to talk about Godzilla? No, look. Uh, if you do two-handed with extra attack versus offhand attack, then... Because uh, Hugo, Hugo, whenever he levels up, he gets a couple more dice, or he he gets a little more HP, and he might get an extra die for a sneak attack. Um, and that's it. Um, so actually, new question for the table: Should I uh, should I start multiclassing to make it a little more interesting? I'd say that's up to the character. What would you multiclass into? Well, let's see. What are the classes? I've never played <laughs> Bard before. Barbarian. Go barbarian. Bard. <laughs> I, okay he, he's got good intelligence maybe like a wizard or artificer Ooh, artificer oh. would be cool with your mechanical hand mm, so you could that start like managing it yourself and shit that does rule that could slap quite a bit okay I, I'll, I'll i'll start looking into that uh, uh go back go back to port nasoto and learn from the greatest artificer in the entire of continent. Course. cool oh 
My friends, I regret to inform you that I believe my mentor might be involved with this quiet entity of evil. And I trust all of you to go out there and kill him for me while I'm going to go back to Port Nosoto. I'm going back to college. <laughs> <laughs> going to get my I'm master's. I'm going back to the trade school. <laughs> I'm going to go get my master's in hand. Um, okay, well, hell yeah, I will. Master's for that. what in hand? Hmm? Master's for what in hand? <laughs> I don't know. This joke didn't have a lot of thought that went into it. Uh, uh, Andrew, what about you? What are you looking forward to? Like I said, I'm just looking forward to getting oh, more oh, powerful spells spell, sorry. and disintegrating someone. <laughs> uh, I don't know that uh, that's even a bard spell, but I hope it is. I hope it is. Hey, it could be. Teleportation. That'll be cool. Uh, Nick, what about yourself? Um, I'm excited for more character development and interactions. Uh, my favorite thing that happens in any given episode is when characters talk to each other and build <laughs> off of each other and then create tension with each other. I really enjoyed like last episode when Shavala and Shalva had their moment. Um, I My favorite thing that we do as a group is character moments. So I look forward to building more drama Uh <laughs> so that we can continue to have character moments. I'm excited for the Hot Springs episode. <laughs> and I know that Maddie is too, and they would say the same thing if they were here. And, uh, yeah, if they were here. Rest in peace. Uh, and, <laughs> Sometimes uh, I can still hear their voice. And on that note, actually, speaking of both Maddie and the upcoming uh, Hot Springs episode, uh, I think that maybe brings this section to a close. Oh, unless we want to talk about our favorite moments overall uh, from oh, the last damn. year or so. Um. Honestly, I think stealing the egg was a real fucking great moment for me. Uh, <laughs> but actually, I genuinely, you know, uh, that's my my joke answer. Maybe it's not even a joke. But actually, I do really like um, uh, when when Finley and Hugo got to hang out in the bar after hours. Um, and I had the Elsurian old fashioned. And we just <laughs> talked about, like, making food for friends and whatnot. I, I thought that was a really fun moment. I I think I have... I have two that are battling in my mind. Um, one of which is when we were sailing back from the island and we had the egg with us and we got attacked by the Kraken and we were like, oh shit, maybe it's pissed about the egg. And then we threw the egg back into the water. <laughs> I thought that was really fucking funny. Um, yeah, Hugo, uh, Hugo went for like old pi superstitious pirate mode and he's like, yeah. well, clearly the omen. I, I loved that moment. The other one would be, maybe this is selfish, but uh, when using the, the scroll of scrying on luck was uh, oh, that a was good moment cute. for me, at least. Um, I have different favorites for each character. I have like a luck moment that's my favorite, and All I have right. a family moment that's my favorite. My luck moment that's my favorite is when Shalva finally pressured her to like reveal her true form when I get to, when I got to be luck instead of Mural. Yeah. Uh I thought that that was really good. Um and then for Finley I really loved the like sitting up with Petros on a watch and having a moment. Yeah, for sure. Nick, what about you? Ooh. Um the oracle <laughs> anything that the oracle does um, every anything and everything to do with the oracle anything and everything to do with the oracle um i don't know if i even 
have one in particular. Oh, uh, when I started, <laughs> when I started, uh, going into the descriptions for the nightmares and the premonitions, and you guys realized what I was doing, and then Matt, you in the background of my narration, you just hear Maddie go, "Jesus Christ!" <laughs> uh, yeah, with everyone's cameras on during that scene, uh, seeing various faces kind of contort and and question various moments was was a real thrill to watch. It's just any time that I go horror on Maddie, and Maddie just goes, "Jesus Christ." <laughs> I'm like, this is why I do this. Oh, uh, actually, I'm sorry. We do have a, we, uh, I incorporated some of the listener submitted questions into our kind of casual conversation, but I do have one here that has yet to be addressed, uh, from, (laughs) from our friends, uh, on the discord, John, and, and I guess that's pronounced probably Sephiron. Um, Hey, uh, Nick, what's up with Leia's sky? There is no moon. What's a moon? Exactly. <laughs> Hugo remembers a moon. Everyone in a keeps dream talking once. about them, and I have no idea what the fuck they're saying. <laughs> Sorry, I, right. I, I just said Hugo remembers a moon in a dream once, and it reminds me of the Inception speech, like you're waiting for a train. <laughs> <laughs> I remember moons in my dreams once. Or, or there what? is. What's there that? is no moon. Um. The. Sky is a bunch of blinking star-like lights, um, and there are some parts of the continent where it's not—it's either always night or always day. Um, is Lyanna flat? <laughs> no, if because if it was flat, then only certain parts would be always night or always day. Uh, I think Lyanna is flat. It's uh, <laughs> my new theory. Not- this is not a flat. Oh God, Shava's a flat earther. <laughs> She's a flat liar. Ooh, flat that's light. hard to say. <laughs> She's a, a flat, flat liar. Liar. <laughs> a flat liar. Flat <laughs> liar. I mean, yeah, that that's the same as here. <laughs> what the? Uh, actually, actually, I I do have a. I mean, we joke about the weird cosmology of the moon and all that. Are there continents outside of Leia on this planet? Is there something across the sea? No. Huh. I squint. Well, we'll explore that, or not at all, in future episodes of we, Legends we of We sail Blade. west. Uh, folks, what we're going to do is we're going to cut over to uh, Maddie, who's going to be answering some of the same questions uh, that we just uh, asked each other right here. Um, and then, yeah, uh, we're that, that's the end of the episode. So once again, this has been the second uh Behind the scenes special of Legends of Leia, I'd like to uh, do a special thanks, of course, to Andy Wilson, who did our logo, and Johnny Ronaldo, who did our music, as well as Andrew Akel, the current editor of the show. Uh, myself as producer, and I guess Nick as DM, and Maddie's here too. Uh, so yeah, uh, and thank you everyone who listened over the course of the last two years or helped us gain new fans. We highly appreciate it. We highly appreciate that you have taken the time uh, to become part of the show and give us feedback and, and uh, enjoy this adventure with us. So thank you so much for being a part of that. And thank you all for being such wonderful players. Oh, you're welcome, Nick. <laughs> to, like, co-players to, like, play around with, because we're all on the same team. I was trying to be nice to you, Andrew. <laughs> Meet me downstairs and get ready to fucking fight. All right, let's take this outside. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Uh, uh, let's uh, Let's go over to Maddie. 
so first question is, what changes has Petros undergone over the last year? Mechanics, personal plot, character relationships with others, etc. Uh, and that's that's a <laughs> it's a good question. I was actually looking at his background stuff yesterday after we finished recording, um, and it was interesting to see. So, so the like very id of of Petros, um, I don't think that's the word I want. Doesn't matter. The like core concept of Petros is that he was kind of the like wall that protected his kingdom, um, and and. To that point, we get, like, a man who uh, is willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good. He he views himself as, like, it was a little bit of, like, a Javert thing was my original concept. Um, in that, like, I am the law and the law is not mocked. Um, I, and that doesn't necessarily mean, like, the law is, like, always necessarily, like, even, like, morally correct. Um, and that's something that I've had to kind of struggle with. We joke that Petrus is a cop a lot, and I'm like, I don't want him to be a cop. I want him to be somebody who is so, like, deeply traumatized by what he's gone through that o the only thing he can hold on to is, like, the laws that we have are the only thing keeping us from falling into the brink. Um, the, the structures that we have in place that I serve are the only thing keeping, like, what happened to me from happening to other people. And, and in that case, I am the shield that holds that and protects other people from, from experiencing what happened to me. Uh, and I think kind of the cool way that it started to manifest is that between, like, having Coria, having, uh, having family, um, like, specifically Orcish family, I think it's something that he has distanced himself from, uh, since going to live with his dad, like, when he was, like, 12, um... And, and, like, building a family with these people he's traveling with, I think that, like, that has both steeled his resolve, um, and also, like, made him a little bit more afraid. So it's, it, the, like, core concept actually hasn't changed that much. He's just become a little, like, softer around the edges. He started to kind of let go of the fear that's haunted him, like, his whole adult life. Uh, the fear and the, the like, guilt um, and the, like, I, I don't want to say self-hatred because I don't think he hates himself. I just think that he views himself without compassion. Um, and he started to kind of have that for himself, which which has been, like, really cool. Um, and, but, like, he still, he still is the, like, I am the shield that is protecting my family. Um, now it's a little bit more, like, realized and actualized rather than, like, I am kind of generalized the shield that protects the kingdom. It is I am the shield that protects this group of, like, six people. <laughs> um, which has been kind of an interesting, I think, journey for him. Um, in terms of, like, mechanics and stuff like that, uh, I honestly have a hard time remembering when I picked up that cleric level. <laughs> um, uh... So, so that has been interesting to, like, pull and start, and start having him do more spells. When I first, like, started playing Petros, I really didn't understand how paladins work. If you listen to the first few episodes, I don't use any spells at all, because I forgot that paladins get them, and I didn't set up any spells for him. Uh, and I'm much more on top of that now, and also thinking a little bit more strategically about how I want to use those in conjunction with his, uh, with his melee, which has been really interesting for me. Um... 
I think I think a lot of his changes have come like plot wise and personality wise. I I I I play him as a little bit more vulnerable than I think I had even intended to even like a year ago. Uh, which has been really nice that he's gotten to kind of like be that and have that for himself. Um, and then the mechanic stuff has been me just kind of like poking around outside of his like his plot stuff and just learning more about how clerics and paladins work. Uh, I didn't really have a really structured idea for how I wanted him to play necessarily. I was kind of just figuring it out as I go. Uh, and I think I have a little bit more of a clearer idea now. I'm I'm still trying to figure out how I'm balancing as the like the multi-classed character. Uh, I'm having a little trouble figuring out how I want to kind of balance the two classes, uh, especially because both of them get such interesting stuff. Um, but, you know, that's that's still a work in progress. Oh, character relationships with others is also another piece of that question. Man, I don't know. I feel like I feel like that is like everybody's uh, relationships have changed so much in like the past year and we've grown like so much like we were just kind of a band of goofuses you know and i feel like this is like even the people who are not like petros and petros is a big like this is my family fuck you like we've all been like no like this is this is our family like we love each other which has been really sweet to see and i think like the addition of Coria, i think was has kind of like helped that along um especially for petros now that he like has a sibling um as someone who like has a million siblings siblings <laughs> i was reading a sneeple message when i fucking said that um as someone who has a million siblings i i love that nick was like petrus gets to have a sibling now because i think he i think that is something that he is well suited for is being an older sibling um, I think he thinks of himself as an older sibling to a lot of the, like, paladins he helped train, but I think having, like, a sister who he can, like, guide through the process of, like, learning more about Melora and, like, coming in tune with her magic, and they have that kind of shared issue with their mom, um, I think that's been really good for him. Because, like, he's very tight with his dad, which we haven't got to see very much, and, like, he and his dad have a great relationship, but there hasn't really been anybody he could talk to about, like, the issues he had with his mom, and I think that's really nice that he's got to have that. Um, and also kind of his his friend family also got to kind of see that, that side of him, um, which I think was cool. And uh, next question is, what were some of your favorite moments of the past year of Gabe? I assume that's, uh, the game. Um, and that's a, that's a tricky one because my memory is so shit. <laughs> I, I have trouble sometimes remembering, like, what happened this year and what happened in, like, the past, like, couple years. You know, it all kind of blends together for me a little bit. Um, I think, like, cool memories were, like, the, any, any moments that Petro has got, Petro, any moments that Petros has got to have where he is, like, he's got to have, like, emotional heart-to-hearts with people um, about, like, himself, about where people have opened up to him and have made it clear, like, they care about him and they trust him. So I'm thinking of, like, when Luck left and they got to have that kind of goodbye at the boat, I think was really cool for me. Um, I think, like... 
when when Finley and Pet this is all this is Johnny related. I love you, Johnny. Um, when when Finley and Petros gotta have that talk about like being warriors and like giving up a lot and kind of their like traumatic war memories, I think that was really like that was really important to him. Um, the moment where he summoned Atkros for the first time, uh, and there was this like moment of almost like healing for him, where like it came from the sea, and yeah, it had kind of like the fucked up skull things, but there was this idea that I think he's always been so afraid that like the darkness in him, like, consumed any, like, good he had or anything that was given to him by Melora, and the idea that the two could maybe live in harmony, I think was really, like, cool for him. Um, and also it's kind of been nice to see, like, his evolving relationships with, um, like, specific people, like, Shalva, um, and, and Hugo, where, like, it's, like, it's clear that we all, like, trust each other and, like, have been through a lot together. That's, like, been very fun for me. I've liked all the little, like, individual uh, character moments that, like, don't necessarily stand out, but they kind of come together to build a greater picture of, like, his relationships with other people. Those have all been very fun. Uh, why did you look for what you did in the library? How did that affect your story going forward? What do you think about the vision you experienced after the library scenes? Uh, so, <laughs> so this is fun. A lot of what I looked for in the library was me kind of metagaming a little bit, which is not necessarily something I always like to do. Um, that's a fucking lie. I just lied to our podcast listeners. The way I like to metagame is I, I tend to be like, hey, is this a puzzle for babies? Like, am I overthinking this question? For me, in the library stuff, what I was looking for is we don't have any information about the artifacts. You know, we're gathering them, but we don't know anything about where they come from. Like, I feel like this is a really great opportunity for us to do some research and kind of get an idea of, like, what we're even trying to, like, head into, you know? Like, he didn't have anything that was, like, personal that he wanted to look up. I think for 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 me and for Petros, it was really a, like, we're really starting to get into the shit now. Um, and I need to figure out what we're getting into. You know, I, I, he wanted the, the lore as it were, as it were. Um, you know, I, I, I mostly just wanted additional information, you know, uh, and I knew that Nick had a bunch of stuff planned and I wanted to kind of like tease out as much as I could so I could piss, uh, so I could piece together, uh, the mystery that was kind of surrounding us. Um, and we've gotten a lot of that information, which was super helpful for me. I got, I got kind of what I wanted out of it. Um, and also got some, like, we got some interesting kind of backstory about, uh, other characters and that was really cool too. But for me, I went into it being like, this is a golden opportunity to get as much information as we can. Um, and that is exactly what I want. Uh, sorry, my phone keeps dying. So I have to look at the question again. Uh, how did that affect your story going forward? I mean, for me, that really, like I said, it was like, I just wanted a clearer picture of what we would maybe be going up against. I think maybe on a selfish shuffle, I was like, maybe I can get more information about whatever is plaguing Petros, and we did. Um, there's a note in my, in my D&D Beyond somewhere where I've, like, written down all the names of all the different, like, gods, and I just, like, describing them and kind of, and I wrote after Muscle Wiss, I was just like, this is the bitch! Um... <laughs> And I think that's just, like, having that information was just, is just, like, I don't know, I feel like we have a clearer picture of, like, what is happening, like, the key players here, 
which makes me feel better. Anyway, even if there's not a lot we could do, it's like, I know exactly kind of what we're getting into rather than being plagued by this, like, unknowable mystery. Um, the vision uh, was upsetting. <laughs> it's very different from all the visions that Petros has had before, which I'm sure was absolutely on purpose, where a lot of them have been very vague. A lot of them have been very much like uh making him question himself and like you know his like soul almost on in a really like deep level um but this was so like specific and so specific to his fears um that i think it was really jarring it was jarring for me as a player that instead of a like generalized like hey something's haunting you bitch it was like hey if you're not careful you are going to hurt the people you care about which i think is like no joke, number one top list greatest fear for Petros is, like, I am going to lose control and I'm going to hurt people. Uh, especially, like, I'm going to hurt Coria, who has become very important to him. Um, I think that, like, his family and, like, the idea of family is, like, really crucial. So, like, top on the list of, like, people he cares about, like, not hurting is, like, dad, Coria. And then, like, the adventuring party is, like, right underneath there. But, like, Coria's definitely, like, in the top two. Um, and I think that was, like, I think he is still feeling the effects of that. The fact that, like, Coria is, like, openly, like, trusting to him. Though there was, like, obviously Rocket Patch. I think that there's this moment of, like, she, she trusts him and he doesn't trust himself around her. Which I'm sure we will, we will have a conversation about that at some point. But he is so... He's not very forgiving of himself, and I think that vision really, like, drove that point home for him. Especially because everybody else was also having those, and he had this realization of, like, oh, I fucked up. Like, I didn't mention these dreams earlier, and I fucked up. Uh, and I think he feels pretty shitty about that. What are you most excited about for what's coming ahead? Um, I... A lot of things. Uh, I, I'm really into the story that Nick has has told us. I love Petros. Um, I love Coria. I like all of our individual arcs. I'm really excited to learn more about Hugo shit because, like, we've got we've gotten like other characters' backstories, but now we're like now it's Hugo backstory time, and I'm like really excited to like delve into like the because I feel like we kind of we we give Hugo a lot of shit, you know. But I know Ben has put a lot of thought into, like, what his concept for Hugo was. And he was, like, very much trying to do some very specific stuff when he built Hugo. And I'm really excited to see that kind of come to fruition. Um, I have specifically a couple of things I have talked with Nick about that I've kind of, like, kind of laid out that we may never see. Um... It, there's kind of, like, triggering effects that will trigger these things, and I have come to, I'm like, you know, these things may never come up, and that's okay, um, but, but I'm really excited to see if those things end up playing out, because I've spent a lot of time, like, kind of crafting them, and I think that they will be very, like, emotionally significant and, like, really cool, um, the unfortunate part is the triggering events for those things are, like, gonna suck really bad. Like, they're gonna suck for me as a player. I think that they would not be very fun for, like, my my real-life friends who are playing the other characters. They're not gonna be great for, like, those player characters. Um, but I, I think that, like, the storytelling of those things could be really interesting. 
um, and, and like very emotional and very like real. Uh, I intend on making everybody at the table cry when I reveal some stuff, uh, that I have prepped, um, including myself. Everybody's going to be crying at this one. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I'm interested to see if that ends up kind of coming, coming up and it may not. And then maybe like we get to the end of the game. Uh, and I finally get to talk about this stuff that I set up. Uh, but but yeah, I think for me, I'm excited for Hugo stuff. I'm excited to see if that kind of comes up. I'm excited to see, like... I'm excited to kind I know we're not, like, near the end of the journey yet, but I'm excited to see what comes next because we've kind of hit the triggers of, like, get all the artifacts, and that was kind of our goal for so long that, like, I feel like the world's really opened up in an interesting way. And I, I have this mode of like, I don't really know what's going to come next. Like we have a goal. Sorry. Uh, we have a goal, you know, but, but I don't really know what's going to come of that. And I think that's really exciting. I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see how it all plays out. Cause like, I have no fucking clue. Uh, and that's a fun place to be. And uh, last question is just moon. Uh, so, bad news, everyone, I have a serious answer. So I know the goof is, like, Petros is, like, a moon truther, and there's at least three moons. Um, but I've decided, and Nick may talk to me later and be like, no, that's bullshit. But I, I, since Petros worships, worships the god of, like, the sea and the wild stuff, like, it, it would be funny to me if there was, like, built into some of that lore. It's like, there is a something which is like also controls like the moons control the sea um and that's why he's like no there's moons but like when he's talking about moons he's talking about something that like everyone else is like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about but to like him and like some of his like more devout paladin buddies it's like no listen there's these things called moons there's at least three of them and like they are, they work in conjunction with Melora, and that's how the, I'm also willing to buy that, like, this is a, like, old sailor story, because he used to be a sailor, he, his dad is, he comes from a family of sailors, um, that, like, this is a, like, old wives tale that, like, is passed down through, like, sailors, that they're like, no, there's the, bro, there's these things called moods. Um, I think I like that better than the paladins thing. So, like, when he, like, went to the Temple of Melora, he was like, okay, so what about the moons, though? Like, y'all know about the moons, right? And anyone who wasn't a sailor was like, what the literal fuck are you talking about? And he was like, there's these things called moons, and they're in the sky. Um, I started it as a bit because he's, like, he's not, like, a serious character, but he's kind of, like, the one who's got the shit together. So I liked the idea of having him have, like, I got this one thing that I am just, like, wild about. Uh, but now I've made up the lore is that he, this is, like, a thing that, like, sailors, uh, have told stories about, and everyone else thinks it's fucking bullshit, but it's, like, a sailor superstition thing. Um, yeah, yeah, that's all the questions. I am, I feel very, like, pleased and lucky that I've been able to be a part of this story for two years. I fucking love Petros, uh, to the three or more moods and back. Um, I'm, like, so glad that I've been able to, to play him. I hope everybody else likes him as much as I do. He's very important to me. Uh, and, like, two more years, at least, bud. That was gonna be, like, let's do it again, like, th three more years or whatever, but I, that sentence didn't come out right, so, uh, hell yeah! More Leia!
The show you've just been listening to was The Legends of Laia, brought to you by Infinity Brick, where we're telling stories our own way. This show is Dungeon Mastered by Nikki Boylan, edited by Andrew Akel, and produced by Ben Hamlin. It features the voices of Andrew Akel, Ben Hamlin, Matty Drobo Gomes, and Johnny Ronaldo. Our music is by Johnny Ronaldo, and our logo is by Andy Wilson. You can check out all of our other shows at infinitybreak.net and support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash infinitybreak, where there will be plenty of Legends of Laia bonus content. We appreciate your help in spreading the word about our adventure and leaving a five-star review wherever you can. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week.